He has no filter. He is bold. He is daring, and he is unconventional. This is unfiltered 101. Brought to you by Salifan. Make you fly. Holy Father, we need to talk. I have a secret that I can't keep. I'm not the boy that you thought you wanted. Please don't get angry. Have faith in me. Say I shouldn't be here, but I can't give up his touch. It is him I love. It is him. Don't you try and tell me that God doesn't care for us. It is him I love. It is him I love. I walk the streets of. Mississippi, I hold my lover by the hand. I feel you staring when he is with me. How can I make you understand? Say I shouldn't be here, but I can't give up his touch. It is him I love. It is him. Did that countdown make it sound like you are counting down to the New Year's Eve, or did it make you feel like you are counting down to another new beginning, perhaps? Because for me, it was counting down to this new episode that I'm having with you today.、Um, it is about embracing your skin, and skin comes in different forms and different shapes. It could be 
skin color. It could be your own sexual orientation, which is really what we are going to be talking about today with my guest. And I played you him by Sam Smith before actually starting this entire show. The song speaks about acceptance. It speaks about being comfortable in your own skin and loving the person that you want. Um, I think oftentimes we hear that you never choose who to love. You never choose when to love them. Um, love is a feeling, but choosing it is an action. And that is really put in such beautiful ways in that song. Um, yeah. So we live in a very progressive society, right? Where people are getting accepted for their uniqueness, for who they choose to be, for who they express themselves. However, you find that in some parts of the world, issues of homosexuality still trigger feelings of renunciation. This might be because of um, religious, religious views. It might be because of cultural beliefs as well. And today we delve deeper into this subject of homosexuality. I am joined by lawyer, MC, radio personality, television host, Leroy Mark. And I'm super excited that he'll be in conversation with me to go through all of these things. Good morning, If this is your first time joining me, where have you been? Anyway, you are now part of the squad. Do follow, do subscribe, and do all the things that I like. Welcome to Unfiltered 101, brought to you by myself, Salafam Makwetani. This is going to be an exciting episode. Let me get hold of Leroy. Good morning. Yeah, so I want us to first start talking about um, the difference between gender and sex, which I think will bring us to... The understanding of yeah. sexuality so, via multiple I'm, disciplines I'm, I'm of identity. Um, an expert, and I think there's people who are better versed and have, have, have the credentials to speak to. But I think it's been an interesting part of my journey because I've sort of had to um, stand in, in the very public spaces and carry this torch of being part of the LGBT community and also part of, of this very we- weird world of media. And what I've come to understand is that, you know, when people come to me and you need to explain sort of the whole concept of the what we call the alphabet gang, you know, the LGBTI community, we need to make some very clear distinctions um, between sex, gender, presentation and orientation. So, um, you know, for our purposes, I think we need to sort of classify sex as um, what, what, you're, what you're born or what you are you know, what is your anatomy? So not necessarily what you're born with, but what your anatomy is. Whether it's the anatomy you have now or the anatomy that you desire to assign yourself. 
Um, so if we look at you know someone who's a cisgender male, they have a penis, they have testicles, and they have an Adam's apple. And if you're then born as a cisgender female, you have ovaries, a vagina, and breasts, etc. And then when I talk about what you want to assign later, it's of course you know whether you become a transgender female or transgender male. So that's that's the the sex element of it. It's the actual plumbing that you have or desire to have. Um, gender is different. Gender is almost what we say your mind works in correlation to what your body is. So if we take again a cis um, gender male, so someone who's born with a penis, um, they you know a heterosexual. Um, this gender male will will be um, you know they they would uh, uh, um, assign or align with being male you know um, same thing with with female you know it would be okay I think as a female mm. I feel like I'm a female therefore I am female sometimes those two so gen- your gender and your sex do not align. So it's not that they're incorrect; it's just that they don't align to who you want to be, and that is where we have, you know, transgender, um, 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 uh, sex reassignment surgery to make sure that the gender, which I say, gender is always mental; it's not physical, and the sex is what's physical. So we need to align those. Two mm. All right, um, because I think I don't know where I had this, but oh, it must yeah. be in Siakumalu's book. Uh, you have to be gay to know God, where he had said, where he had said, I think something like um, gender is what is given to you at birth, but sex becomes what you. Yeah. So I say whatsoever. Um, yeah, something along those lines. The definition to be slightly problematic because it, you know, it doesn't speak about the fact that your sex is more physical, but it might not be the physical that you have currently. So again, I make the reference back to transgender females, for instance. I may be born as a male, but my sex, the body I want, is the body of a female. That's how I feel my gender is. Therefore, I want my sex to to match my gender. And then I start going on this journey of、um, reassignment surgery to make sure that my sex, being female, assigns to the gender that I know I have. You know what I'm saying?、Okay. Yes, I understand. Yeah. All right. So I want us to go back to you growing up. Like,、um, when did you realize that you identified as a gay man? Because I think back then there was really not much terminology. You would just be like,、um, "I'm attracted to guys, I but I don't know how to define myself." I was 14. I had a scholarship to go to an all boys school, and that for me, in fact, delayed、um, a lot of the discoveries I had. Because、um, boys' schools are quite toxic in that, in that、um, gender fluidity and freedom is not、um, encouraged. You need to be a strong, macho, straight homosexual,、uh, heterosexual man for you to sort of fit in. So you can imagine when you're in your formative years and you're starting to sort of figure out who you are in the world, 
in a place where being black is an anomaly, um, being from the background where I come from, where um, you know previous disadvantage is an anomaly, we don't have a particular surname to attach to. You know, I mean, whether Ramaphosa, Mandela, Polonisa, whatever, you know, previous political bodies. Um, uh, surnames. Um, so I was really dealing with a whole lot of things. I was dealing with the fact that I was black. I was dealing with the fact that my parents weren't rich. I was dealing with the fact that um, I hadn't traveled extensively. I hadn't seen the world. Um, I spoke differently from everyone else. I came from a colored school and I was going to an all-white school. Um, the fact that I didn't have the access other people had. You know, my family used to go to Durban for holidays. My friends would go to Dubai and you know Prague, the Czech Republic, and places like that. So. I think that delayed very much my exploration of my sexuality because I did not actually have the time for it. There were more pertinent, more um, uh, um, urgent issues I was dealing with on a day-to-day basis just to survive. Uh, but invariably, with sexuality, there comes a point where you start realizing that you don't assimilate um, relationships like your other counterparts do. And that's where it started becoming quite interesting for me, especially when I got into this, because this again is more representative of the country we live in. So you start seeing more and more diverse people. For instance, when I went to this, I was so shocked the number of black people um, in one space, because I had last seen that when I was in grade seven, when I was 13 years old. And in the course of the five years that followed me being in, in high school, all I had seen were white people. I mean, I was one of the 11 black people in my year. So it it did it, it wasn't front of mind. It only became real for me when I was involved. Yeah. All right, all right. So was there ever like any conflict um, before you actually got to live comfortably? My circles, my family. Like in in you being yourself, was there ever like an ever internal conflict where you were like, before I actually get to live my truth, yeah, I think so. what would be had, like I the repercussions and everything? Because from me starting varsity until my second year, I mean in 24 months, I went from thinking I was fully heterosexual to having my first homosexual relationship to starting to understand what that is in men and then starting to you know then coming out to the world at large i mean it all happened in the space of 18 months or so so it was conflict because of just um it was a reality i hadn't really thought about um, and now i was living it so i was learning as i was growing along but i i have to you know give credit to my to my parents because having young parents meant that um my parents were very you know well versed in what happens in a young man's life especially in contemporary south africa so it was not an issue of having like a or a grandmother who is in her 60s having to learn what it means to have a gay son at the time when i was um, 18 my mom was 38 so you know i was able um, to have conversations with her very very frankly um and that for me was what really made it more comfortable because I had the acceptance of my family so the world became an easier place to navigate and I also had to learn that I have a lot of privileges that other people don't have for instance educated um, upwardly mobile middle class family in you know um, urban South Africa I have some level of popularity which also protects I present as male 
All right. Um Salita? Sorry, my mom. My, my mom. I can hear you. Um, I was um I was Uh, we was that? You were checking about yeah. your mom being open-minded because she was living in a, she was living in a space where these things were yeah. actually now becoming a normality. Um, you know, is a transgender male now. So she had um this experience on a on a far greater scale, you know, in a in a in a more intense scale. Not just having a gay son, but having a friend who moved from being a cisgender female to a um transgender man. And I mean in, in those times it was incredible for that to happen in front of me because it just was too good, it was just never heard of. Yeah. And I think another thing in coming out, I think um if the parents are not knowing of this uh, gender identities it yeah. then brings you to educate your parents and then the parents can yeah. that also come out on your behalf yeah. when they're in spaces such as church and uh, their societies yeah. you know there are questions that would yeah. arise and be like hi bo maliroy and then she yeah. gets to explain that no he is gay because he's attracted to other men yeah. but he does not yeah. want to be a girl because also what we need to do yeah. then is to also um while you're teaching your, your parents to be um advocates and, and activists on on on, on in, in their spaces um you also need to then sort of become a kind of child that when they look um to other people they're able to say you know this child is a great example regardless of what their sexuality is again you know i have to um speak on the fact that my my another protection i had was the fact that i was a naturally academically gifted child who had some level of academic um, achievement um you know two scholarships um you know fairly doing fairly well in school um you know that means that my parents when they speak about their son um the fact that i am gay does not then become a blemish on my record they're able to see that okay my child is a good child and he's doing well academically he's a good social citizen and he's gay therefore gay people and people of his community must be good people it must not you know it's very different when you have a child who's rebellious um you know and whether it's their fault or not you know i'm not passing judgment on that but you know it becomes more difficult because people will then go yeah but you know he's 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 rebellious he's just trying to to act out in this gating phase where i had a history of a good child so they were more accepting of me because they were like okay surely this can't be a phase because he's a, he's a child who knows how to look after and himself but also to present himself well yeah um do, do you think parents or guardians actually get to notice their true and sexual orientation from a young age she said they didn't know um you know your child and you know when your child is not developing in the same way as other children you know when your child is a bit of a bully you know your child when they are boisterous when they are a quiet child you know your child when um they're not very social you know your child when they an extrovert you know that you know um and for them to say that they haven't seen their child is different to exhibit a more feminine energy a more masculine energy um than their 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 counterparts 
there's no way every every parent that I've spoken to had some sort of inkling and if they've been very honest with themselves they know that they'd seen the signs that they thought that the kid would grow out of it oh okay so I think sometimes they choose to be in denial or obtuse to it with the hope yeah, that I maybe mean, it's no, just no, a phase because it's something that was never spoken about I mean let's go back 10 steps and talk about how in our families we all have that one uncle who seems to never have gotten married who seems to prefer being around male energy I have one particular uncle in that room and he he was the one who I loved mm-hmm. so much because he was always immaculately dressed um, and he exhibited some of the stereotypes we've come to know but um, we always had those people, you know, as far back as the times of Alexander the Great. Um, history has given us examples of all these people constantly. What we've done over the years is just have very convenient excuses. You know, with my uncle in particular, his wife died um, within 24 months of them getting married and he's never remarried. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, um, his sexuality is up for debate or whether or not his wife dying had made him into a, a, a homosexual man. My point is that we always knew about Mepapsu who had a male partner who used to come over and they were friends and they just lived together and we never gave it a second thought. We always known about Antandega who lives with Antim Paul and they always come together to the functions. We always have these anecdotes. So these were not new things. So when we move into, you know, 2020, the conversation is no different. It's just that now we've got words for them. We've got words like MSM, you know, people who men have sex with men, uh, bisexual, you know, we, um, people who date both male and female. These are things that have always existed. It's just that we've never been able to put them in categories because we don't have the lexicon, the language for it. And it makes me so frustrated when parents say we don't have gay people in our family and you go actually you do chances are you absolutely do it's nothing new is that you're refusing to to see beyond the veneer because you think it's some terrible thing because if being gay was equated with being rich smart and incredibly talented we'd all say hmm you know i think he's gay because you want your kid to be rich talented you know and gifted but you know what I mean? What we do is we, we always yeah. try because of what society does. In 10 years' time, when when having a gay son is an achievement, everyone will say, oh, I can't believe my kid is straight. You know, I always wanted a gay son. You go, hmm. So it really is the fluidity of the spirit of the age. Yeah, and I think last week I was having a conversation with Nkuluma yeah. Kanya, um, and he was saying that the existence of the Rainbow Nation, like the LGBTIQ plus community, has always been yeah. there, even from the spiritual realm. Just that now we have been indoctrinated yeah. into believing that it's a Western thing. I mean, when you look at the number of um, traditional healers who we're seeing more and more of, um, in my anecdotal experience, and I can, you know, um, point to four or five people who I know personally who are um, um, homosexual women and men who have also hidden their core to be traditional healers. And if we take African spirituality as to be real, a tangible thing, then why would your ancestors want to call upon something that, on, on a human who they've, they've um, 
uh, that, that they rejected, that they don't agree with their lifestyle. They could choose anyone. They could choose any one of your siblings, brothers, sisters, whatever. But they choose the homosexual uh, boy, the homosexual girl. Um, let's move even further. If you know, we go into the realms of, of, of Western spirituality, let's talk about how it seems that everyone has a version of why God thinks um, uh, men, gay men and women. Um, should be burnt at the stake when the Bible itself, in plain text, in the English of the day, says um, that you know they used to be companions. Companions are direct translation of uh, of partner, of romantic partner. This is littered across the Old Testament. It's littered across the New Testament. But we refuse to look at it that way because we've decided that homosexuality. In fact, homosexuality is, is present in every single. So I think it's just it's, we, we, we're being obtuse by not actually adhering to the point that the fact that this thing exists, we can't run away from the fact that it's always existed. It's just that we we had no political will or social will to to have it being explored and spoken about, frankly and freely. Yeah, and I think uh, you know what? Oftentimes we fight for representation of the community, especially in curriculums. But it is seen as though it is a recruiting and grooming method of children, and I always, yeah. I'm, I always ask myself like, then what right channels would there be for this kind of education to be conveyed to the people? People, I think, I think um, that we need to go five steps back and start having a very frank conversation about why it seems undesirable for people to identify as LGBTI but more importantly for us to have queer history you know we've been chatting about in my place at least very much about how queer history needs to be taught for as far as possible um, in schools and in, in, in fora where, where young children exist because unfortunately queer kids are part of a community you know what I mean um, but this is this is bigger than just queer history. It's having um, Indian history being taught to South Africans, um, to Indian South Africans, so they know what their ancestors da- uh, did for, for for our struggle. It is having conversations about modern day uh, um, queer activists who are making sure that there's a space for for for, for queer children. Um, uh, to understand why the drag community exists, why massive shows like RuPaul's Drag Race has their entire genesis rooted in queer history because, you know, the fact that women today wear lashes and wear and contour their makeup and have um, big wigs and all those things, that's part of queer history. And if we don't have those conversations in some sort of, of platform in a schooling environment, where can we have them? Um, so it's for me it's very difficult for us to be able to to say where it should be had because it seems that the spaces don't exist to have any other kind of history but the history that was written by the victors by the colonialists by the white straight males who took over our 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 narrative so it's bigger than just queer history it's bigger than 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 gay history it's about the fact that our education system is just so one-dimensional. We hear what about like Jan van Riebeek, Ungungunyane, but we don't have conversations about Indian uh, stalwarts. We don't have any conversations about colored stalwarts, gay stalwarts, you know, female stalwarts. It just seems that we 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 come to always look at the people who want white straight males. 
Yeah, and and I think also religion is kind of is kind of to blame because they they just don't want to educate. They just put one side that it is um, Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and and, and we can start interrogating that, you know, on, on on a macro level, we can start talking about things like many of the people who have these views about um uh, these religious views, and I use the word loosely about Christianity, have no ideas of things like the Council of Nicaea that took place to actually decide whether or not homosexuality was wrong, whether or not women would be allowed to be priests, whether or not. Um, uh, uh, um, Jesus was a human. He had sex. He had uh, a wife, a girlfriend. When we know that history tells us exactly that a man who was Jewish of that age could not have been single. He must have had a companion, a partner. Where um, modern-day translations of the Dead Sea Scrolls that were found, um, you know, everything points to the fact that even the fact that we're still talking in 2020 about whether or not Jesus was black or white, when we all know that. If he is from the region that Bible says he comes from, he was probably Arabic or looked Arabic. Um, just because people refuse to have an alternate history that isn't written by the winners, so it, 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 it's it's a, it's a yeah a shit show. Yeah, so um, I think also we we hear of allies like uh, LGBTIQ plus allies, and I always wonder like what's their role and when do they step back except only being there during pride months and wearing a bride a shed and being like we advocate for gay rights then after then they disappear you know i like to me an interesting thing so what i like to do is parallel prejudices right i like to talk about um when you look at things like allies let's look at um people who say they're allies for women's rights right because that is mm-hmm. uh, an area where we've had a lot of development and, and jurisprudence and studies done around gender-based violence, rights, um, gender, pay parity, um, and, and all those things. So if we're just for a second to think about you and I um, and what we, how do we um, champion women's rights, um, especially as males, right? I know mm-hmm. for, for a fact that I can never speak on behalf of women. I can't. I am not a woman. So it is absolutely not in my place to speak on behalf of women. I can't be the one in the room and say women need more X. Because actually, yes, I can see that we need to have more opportunities for women. But in the same way that I'm not a woman, I don't know how that should be done. Again, if if I just go ahead and go, I think women need more rights, let me go fix it. I'm, I am the problem because, again, I'm speaking on behalf of women. I'm silencing women. I'm thinking I've got a right to number one. So what do we do to make sure we support women, but also not to hijack the narrative? And we must speak to the women and say, what do you need me to do? What do you require me to support? I know that there's a parody here. I know I've got some privileges as a male. So what do we do to make sure that I use that effectively to make sure that we get to a point where you, as a woman, um, get what you need from me? In the same way, white people, white males, can't stand there and say Black Lives Matter, that open up the industry, Black Lives Matter to look after, when your ancestors were the very same people who, 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 who created this entire um, uh, situation. And bigger than that, um, 
when you're done screaming for Black Lives Matter, you go back to your house in the Hamptons, you go back to your house in Sandton, you go back to your house in continental Europe, and you sort of chill, and it's not an issue for you because you're insulated, you're protected by your whiteness. So white people can never speak on behalf of black people, but then they must ask, what do you need me as a privileged white man to do with my privilege to ensure that you get the opportunity that you deserve just by being a human being and the same thing must happen with allies in the LGBTI community it's not about you going I love gay people they're my favorite because we don't need you to love us um, we love ourselves we need you to realize you've got power you've got uh, um, privileges that you have that we have no access to just because you the system that has been created favors you for no other reason but for the fact that you're born straight, you're born male, you're born white. Um, they, allies are, are good to have, they're good to understand their place, but they must never try and hijack the narrative. It's imper- imper- imperative that they don't, because we don't need people to sideline the issues. Issues that are only known by the people who are living there every day. Ask the questions, we'll tell you what we need you to do. Don't think on other behalf. Yeah, and I think uh, what you mentioned when you were speaking about women's rights and everything and pioneering for them, yet they can actually think for themselves. Yeah. One, thing that came, one thing that came to my mind was how when there is GBV and everything, you always find the queer community actually speaking out on Twitter streets like this should stop, blah, blah. And then when there is just one queer person who has been beaten up or anything, you hardly ever find women at the forefront of it. Yeah, I think also it's because um, we, we, we also think we own certain prejudices. So as, 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 as gay men, for instance, we think we're the only ones. Um, and how dare you come and then want to hijack my prejudice. So for instance, and this is very controversial, the fact that you know gender-based violence in a same-sex relationship exists, then people say, but it's not gender-based. It is, it is gender-based. It's gender-based mm. because um, my gender is perceived um, in, in, in part of this fight. You know, um, some of the violence is caused by the sheer fact that I am a gay man who is uh, smaller than the, my, my partner who is weaker in inverted commas than my partner therefore you know uh, whether or not I have a penis or, or a vagina between my legs this is still a domestic violence issue um, domestic violence is not far from gender based violence um, it, it has the same veneer the color the taste it looks exactly the same it's just that in this case the, the overarching prejudice is not gender but it's domestic violence so we we think we own certain levels of prejudice. As a black man, I don't think I can be racist to an Indian man, right? Because mm. I've been I've been prejudiced for my life as a black man. So no one no one can can ever take away um, the fact that racism is only um, done to black men by everyone else or black women by everyone else. But you know, Indian people suffer on a daily basis. Right now, the coronavirus, uh, the Chinese have been completely ridiculed. Um, the racism against um, that community is completely unfathomable because everyone says, oh, it's the Chinese um, 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 disease. Um, the Chinese brought it. It's the same way how they said black people are dirty, black people are munchies, black people are belong in the jungle, we're uncivilized. We eat um, dogs and cats and, 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 and whatever. Um, that is an issue. 
because we think we own the narrative of racism and we need to learn that our racism our, our, our prejudice can be intersectional it can be more than one layer it can be more than one piece of prejudice you know as a uh, I mean I always say that I'm, I'm the only thing I need to be now is to have um, an Asian child and that I'd have all the prejudices because I am black so I've got racism I'm, um, uh, I'm, I'm a gay man so there's that um, I wear spectacles so I'm technically disabled um, I'm short so you know there's the height issue here um, you know there's all those things that I can say I am so terribly prejudiced in those five ways and they're all valid but it doesn't mean that we can't be open to the next person's um, prejudices and how they prejudice and their struggles just because of, of my struggle we don't necessarily own it yeah and I think yeah that's that's true I really have nothing more to say so you are an entertainer right yeah and I think I don't know but being in a corporate space how do you yeah. navigate the environment look I mean I worked I worked in five corporates before I went off to be a freelance entertainer so I know very well what it's like to be in a, in a, in a corporate environment and let me tell you it is one of the most toxic environments to have because already the power dynamics are very skewed right so in mm-hmm. any corporate you know I worked in a, in, a, in, a, in a top five law firm I worked in a Uh, top three audit firm and I worked in a one of the top four banks in South Africa so I worked in top legal in top um, audit and in top finance um, and on a constant basis you're always fighting the status quo white straight males own the industry they've got the money they've got the power they run the business right so when you are an other and I mean an other in any way if you're black if you're male if you're female if you are um, part of the uh, LGBTI community if you're disabled you will find some backlash it is absolutely difficult and there is no will there is no need or want by the or by established corporate South Africa to make any differences because it upsets the status quo shareholders of big banks are white um, males um, rich families um, shareholders of big orders um, shareholders of uh, um, big business big tobacco uh, big automotive all of them are white people so when you come in and you're an other and you're pushing the status quo you're gonna get tremendous backlash and that for me has been the, my, my, my worst experience part of the reason why I left um, corporate in that way was because it was problematic uh, being an other um, and it gets tiring when you have to be a reluctant activist yeah i i can actually understand because um i remember sisha bulani she was speaking about how we have to kind of teach people about how to navigate the work environment not just provide career guidance on no you should do medicine because medicine yeah. will give you more money etc yeah yep. you have to um, you have to we have to you only discover it when you've done the degree you only discover it when you get into the environment that there's a secondary layer of things I mean for you in, 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 in those industries you have to work twice as hard to get half your education yeah that, that, that's true that's very true um, so you know sometimes when it comes to LGBTIQ plus community relationships yeah. there are always dynamics sometimes yeah. people will be like Um, I prefer my relationship to have a heteronormative culture or we just take things yeah. What's your take on the heteronormative culture? Oh, dear, 
just played to one of my favorite hits. This was Lizzo featuring Ariana Grande with Good Hell. I mean, <laughs> how ironic is it that it is good, yet it is also hell at the very same time? But I really enjoy the song and it gets me in my feels every damn single time. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I thought Sister Bettina would make me wild, but Lizzo has got something here. This girl is up to something that I really, 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 really like. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I love this girl. And Ariana Grande never disappoints. Uh, we seem to be having Leroy back. Hello, Leroy. Hi, welcome back. Thank you. I was waiting for your email. Sorry. Oh, all right. Um, I don't know what happened. I just read cut off, and I'm like, oh my goodness. I think maybe what had happened was um, there's a timeout on the on the on the on the app. So Zoom does the same thing, where they sort of give you an hour and then post an hour it cuts. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So I, I had just asked you to um, kind of give your take on the heteronormative employment into the LGBTIQ plus community relationships. Yeah, so I was, I was having a chat with someone actually, a, a very prominent queer person in South Africa, and they were talking about how we've always been very sort of anti-heteronormativity in relationships, right? We always thought that it was something that was linked to wanting to be heterosexual. But I found that, um, you know, people uh, navigate relationships very differently and that some relationships, some people in their relationships want to, to, to have that sort of heteronormativity because that's how they feel they want to navigate. They feel that they want to assume this particular role of whether being, you know, more submissive or more dominant. Uh, being the male energy or the female energy and that it actually isn't our place to discuss whether or not that is right or wrong. I think if they, the conversation should be more about allowing everyone to have the relationship that they want, uh, a relationship that they find to be appropriate for them without necessarily being, you know, uh, impressed upon that it's a right or wrong thing to do. So. Um, I, I initially thought that, you know, this is not what we want. We want to have our own relationships with normativity, just show the hate of being LGBTQI. But I actually found that um, it's just how some people want to navigate their relationships. And as a result, they should be allowed to navigate the relationships the way they want to navigate them. All right. Um, I think another thing that actually boggles my mind it would have to be um, MSM. Yeah. I'm like, so you are sleeping with men, but you do not identify as gay or bisexual. Then what is happening? So I'll give you an interesting um, anecdote. I think that'll make it work better for us. So let's think about, for instance, like um, if you are a, um, a Mercedes-Benz driver. Sorry for the background noise. Um, so if you're a Mercedes-Benz driver, you won't say that you are, um, you know, pro-Mercedes-Benz, everything that's Mercedes-Benz is you. You might just like the car, right? Mm-hmm. 
So then there's no need for us to classify you as a Mercedes-Benz driver, whatever that means. You know, Mercedes-Benz drivers, let's say for argument's sake, are people who are over 50 with mountains of money and live in the countryside. If you don't identify with that, then that's fine. You don't need to identify with it for you to drive a Mercedes-Benz. And the same thing for me is with, with, with um, MSM. You know, having sex with someone and enjoying the sexual act with someone doesn't necessarily mean that you subscribe to my style. You get what I'm saying? So, um, they don't identify as, as gay because for them, they don't find that they belong to the gay community for whatever reason or other. Um, for them, it might be just a sex issue and not an identity issue. Um, and I think, again, you know, we should allow people to, to navigate their sexual relationships in a way that fulfills them, um, even though we might not understand them necessarily. Wow. Um, okay. Um, I, what? <laughs> 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 All right. Um, I understand. And I think... You know how on Twitter there would be like a conversation about um, how the younger gays are so much into dating the older gays yeah. and etc, etc, etc. And I was like, is there ever a time where there is an older gay that actually has a friendship with a younger gay just to teach them the ropes of how to handle the relationships, etc. Not merely having an interest in just getting into the pants. I think you can have that. I think, um, you know, it, it always goes back for me to a, a vulnerability. Um, um, younger gays, um, so let's go back to this whole relationship dynamic, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a new wave, I think, of realization or consciousness that has come through with the younger gay uh, people. Um, what they do is that they they decide that, um, for instance, they want um, they they like the idea of having a sugar daddy, for instance. Now, I don't um, think there's anything good or bad about it, um, but this some guys okay, 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 Roy. If you're going to drag me, if you're going to drag me, next time send me a DM, please. <laughs> <laughs> so just think about it. The sugar daddies aren't. You know, we say sugar daddies are a bad thing or whatever, but, you know, as a 22-year-old, for instance, you're grown, you understand what's going on, and if you want to date a 40-year-old, then it's fine, as long as you guys understand what is at stake for both of you. So, if I'm the 40-year-old, you're the 22-year-old, and we know that there's some sort of financial um, uh, arrangement that takes place, and I'm happy with the arrangement, and you're happy with the arrangement, then there's nothing wrong with that. Um, But there's also people who say, okay, I, wanna, I want friendship with older people. I've had um, very successful friendship with older people um, in the LGBTI community where it wasn't anything but platonic. You know, we, I enjoyed how they were helping me navigate the spaces. Um, I was enjoying how their views were formed around working and living in, 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 in South Africa as a black gay man because they had lived and worked in South Africa as black gay men. Um, and it's so interesting to see how um, the younger gays have been able to also say, just as women have done over the years, you know, rightly or wrongly, they were able to use their sexuality to uh, navigate their spaces. You know, I love the idea of sex work, for instance. You know, sex work has now been, people see sex work as work. 
and you know a woman who caters to a clientele who knows what she wants who is in this industry because she wants to be um and has agency and over her body and 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 what she does with it i don't mind as long as it's not because she's forced into it or whatever and the gay the younger gays are able to navigate their spaces better because their struggles are different you know when Somizi and 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 his age mates were fighting for equality um there was a different narrative happening at the time in the very same way that when you know um Lastizwe is fighting for 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 equality he's fighting for a different kind and his fight looks different to that so yeah Okay um thank you very much for having joined me for this conversation Absolutely that And I I think I think you are dope and I wish you all the best in all that you do Yeah all right thank you very much bye bye Thank you so much for having me you've had a fantastic weekend All right bye 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 I'm sorry.